This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast where we take a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we introduce you to new women's and men's squash head coach, Rye Hergeth. Plus, the basketball teams were a combined 4-1 over the last seven days, including wins over rivals Colby and Bowden. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. The Bates women's basketball team played its most thrilling game of the season on Wednesday. Bates trailed rival Colby by four with nine seconds remaining. Sophomore Megan Graff made a layup, cutting the deficit to two. Colby called timeout to advance the ball with 4.9 seconds left. Then this happened. Burns with that huge shot a moment ago inbounds here for Colby with 4.9 seconds left. Burns having some trouble. It's a five second call. And the ball is going back to Bates. 4.9 seconds left to Graf. Not much time here across the timeline with two. Graf with one. Graf at the buzzer. Got it. And we're going to overtime. Graf came up big again in overtime, knocking down a huge three to tie the game with 31 seconds to go. And then sinking the game-winning free throw with 0.7 seconds left as Bates secured a 74-73 win. Graf scored 24 points against the Mules and followed that performance up with 19 points on Thursday against number four nationally ranked Bowden. Bates lost that game but bounced back on Saturday with a 67-52 win over St. Joseph's College of Maine, improving the Bobcats' record to 4-4 four four on this season. And Graf scored a career-high 26 points in that victory. Graf leads the NESCAC in scoring. She was named the Maine Women's Basketball Co-Player of the Week, and she is our female Bobcat of the Week. Megan, let's go over that Colby game again because, wow, what a finish to that game. Have you had any game in your memory, like in high school or maybe last year? I don't know. Those that matches that even comes close to it? Um, yeah, it was funny. I was actually thinking about that. If I ever had any, like, have done, like, something like that, ever had a buzzer beater or anything. But, no, I haven't. So it was really exciting. It was a good feeling. What was it like when the, your teammates sort of swarmed you on the court after you tied it? I feel like I was just almost in shock I was like wow like that really just went in um but it was just like such a cool feeling and knowing that like we like didn't lose the game and that we had an opportunity and over time it was just like really really awesome what did coach say to you because obviously you have to refocus at that point she basically said um how how are you not going to win a game after that just happened and I think like our adrenaline was just going crazy. Like, um, we were just, like, at that point, we were like, all right, it's time. Like, we got to win the game. We just came back from down four in, like, 45 seconds. Or down six, actually. I think it was down six. Um, so it just, like, it kind of just put us in the zone for overtime. Always a tough game the very next day, right? You have to deal with Bowden coming in. Your former teammate in high school, right, Maddie yeah. Hassan? What's that always like for you? I think, well, just like um, going into a game like that after coming off such a high, yeah. it's like I feel like it can I either go two different ways, like can go really well, and but it also like we can just we could have been like completely unfocused and like still cut up in the night before. But I really think like we just transitioned into that boating game with the same energy that we finished the Colby game with, um, and just like. The talent that Bowden has on that team, it kind of gave us more of an incentive to be like, all right, like 
on to the next game. And yeah, playing against a former teammate of mine, it's always like different just because when you like grow up like knowing them and also just being on the same team with them and being friends with them. Um, so it's always different, but I think it's really cool to see like um, two main players playing in schools in Maine and getting the opportunity to play against each other. So. Saturday, a St. Joseph team that's been a tough matchup uh, for the Bobcats in recent years, but this time you kind of turned the tables on them. What was so key to that victory? We had like a long week and we really wanted to end it on a good note. I think this kind of like caps off another like chapter throughout the season. Um, just like we get like we knew we were going to get a week off. We really wanted to end it on a positive note. And also, like, even though our, the boating game didn't go our way, we kind of just, like, we were really happy with the way we were playing um, last week, and we kind of just, like, told ourselves, like, this is a, like, really good opportunity to end on a good note, like, push through this last game, through the fatigue and, like, through the stress of finals. So, yeah. Yeah, because career-high 26 for you in that one. As a sophomore, what adjustments have you made based off your experience last year in your rookie year, per se, right? I think... The, obviously you're a freshman when you go into your first year you like no one really knows you no one really knows your tendencies and so this sophomore year I kind of think I just had had to um, like work a little harder like scoring points is obviously more difficult when everyone knows what your like preferences and tendencies are um, but I think just like um, kind of transitioning into being a leader on the floor this sophomore year has just like really allowed me to like grow as a basketball player and as a teammate. So it looks like you're a, you're a righty shooter. Yeah. But you dribble lefty a lot. Yeah. How, how does that work? A little ambidextrous. I, yeah, <laughs> I know. I've I've noticed that because um, actually my trainers this summer would always be like, "Oh, you prefer to drive left." I'm not really sure why. I think it's just because I feel comfortable with the ball either in my right hand or left hand. Um, and yeah, I prefer to drive left. I prefer to like, if I'm going in for like a jump shot, like I prefer to dribble with my left hand instead of my right hand. Maybe it's the footwork. I'm not really sure, but um, I think it's really beneficial since I'm right-handed, but also I'm comfortable with my left hand because it's like common to see like someone obviously having a more dominant hand or, um, yeah, so. And you got that behind-the-back move. When do you develop that? The behind-the-back, oh, gosh. I That's always been um, something I use a lot. It's funny because some people are like, oh, like, I hate, I hate when you do behind-the-back. Um, so uh, I think, honestly, I might prefer using it because I'm, when I dribble, I'm pretty upright in comparison to some people who, like, are relatively, like, low, who get really low to the ground. And I think I do behind the back instead of crossing over, so I don't like expose the ball that much mm. to players. But yeah, I'm just I, I do like that behind the back, and the, especially when I'm dribbling to with my right hand. So you've been doing that for a long time. It's not something you had to like really focus on. It kind of came naturally to you. Yeah, it, honestly, it like has. I think it's just something like a move that I found was like super um, like productive for mm. me to use while playing um, in games and in practices too. But I like would say like I feel pretty comfortable dribbling, just with like my ball handling yeah. in general. So I've definitely worked on um, after last year and going into the season, just like getting a little lower while playing and like driving to the hoop. 
finals week. We appreciate you making the time here. Uh, it sounds like you had some challenging uh, classes this, this semester, basically, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm taking um, a, few, a few tough classes, um, but I think it's nice being in season to give you some structure to be able to, like, give you an incentive to have to um, do, get the work done because time is so, like, there's not a lot of free time when you're in season, so. Certainly, and this is, uh, then after that, you do have a game next week uh, yeah. on the 17th against WPI, and so how do you approach kind of the, the break, if you will, because, you know, being from South Portland, you probably stick around in the area. <laughs> um, yeah, so we get, so we don't get all of winter break, but, um, <laughs> Yeah, so we have our game against the WPI here, and then we're gonna like get about a week off. So mm-hmm. it's it's interesting this year because I just think how like Thanksgiving break lined up with winter break. It mm-hmm. kind of just seems like okay, we just went home for Thanksgiving, then we get a whole week off for finals, um, and then because we're not practicing right now, like having right. like formal practices. Right. But um, and then we have one game, so we get a few days of practices, one game, and then we'll get a day off. I mean, a week, like six days off, I think. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to come back, and we're going to prepare to go to Atlanta, which is really exciting. So Yeah, the men's basketball teams go to Miami. The women's yeah. team go to Atlanta, yeah. going down to a little bit warmer weather, perhaps, right? Have you been to Atlanta before? Um, Yeah, I've actually had some basketball tournaments in Atlanta, so it should be good. Like, I think we're going to – we have two games, and then we're also going to do um, – we have some other things planned as a team, oh. so it's exciting. Nice, some good team bonding. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. we got to do some fun stuff while we're down in, you know what they say, Hotlanta. <laughs> Who knows what it'll be like this time of the year, though. What is the team dynamic like? Because, you know, it seems like there's really good chemistry. I see, you know, the posts on Instagram, the Teammate Tuesday stuff, all that, right? Yeah, <laughs> um, I think we just, like, put such a big emphasis on the importance of having, like, a good ta- um, team dynamic and good team chemistry. Um and so that's always just something like we're looking to do just have like this um just like all inclusiveness as a team and i think it really benefits just like everyone's experience um being on a team and just making basketball a lot more fun and also like you're spending like basketball season it's a long season and you're spending a lot of time with these girls and so like it just it's so like it's nice to have like 12 best friends on the team so Excellent. Megan Graff, Female Bobcat of the Week and Maine Co-Player of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. The men's basketball team is off to a 5-1 start, the program's best since the 2014-15 NCAA tournament season. Bates hit the road Thursday and defeated Bowden 72-58 behind the fourth career double-double for senior Jeff Spellman. Spellman poured in 21 points and grabbed a game-high 11 rebounds in the win. Then on Saturday... Six different Bobcats finished in double figures in an 84-69 win over St. Joseph's College of Maine. First year, Stefan Baxter led the way with 15 points, a game-high six assists, and a game-high four steals. Casal for three, off the back iron. Offensive rebound, though, to the Monks, and then Baxter, another steal for Stefan Baxter, the reigning Maine Rookie of the Week. Gets it in the corner for three, ring it up! has five, and the Bobcats lead by 13. Timeout Monks with 4.06 to go in the first half. I'm learning a lot, like, communication, a lot of communication, and even, like, defensive skills from, like, Gilpin and uh, just finding, uh, like, Jeff and where he likes to be, and even all the other seniors, like like Tom Cohen, great shooter. You yeah. know, I'm always looking for him when, he, when I play with him. Certainly. So, 
Well, now, um, a trip to Florida coming up. You looking forward to this? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've never been to Miami yet. I'm really excited. <laughs> excellent, really excellent. excited. It would be even better when we're winning. When we're winning. Sounds good. Sorry. Stephon Baxter, big game, 15 points off the bench, six assists, and, oh, by the way, four steals. Congratulations on this oh, victory here today. <laughs> Thank you. Spellman added 14 points and five assists in the victory over the Monks. And on Monday, he was named the NASCAC Men's Basketball Player of the Week. And Jeff Spellman is also our male Bobcat of the Week. First of all, last week as a whole, I'm just so proud of like what we were able to accomplish yeah. going 3-0. and I know starting with Johnson and Wills, that was an extremely tough game, especially on the road. And then going at the boat, and we just wanted to keep the momentum rolling. You know, it's just it's less about going 3-0 and on the week and more about just going 1-0 and every time we get out there. But uh, we knew they were big. They kind of want to slow the pace down, kind of opposite of what we want to do. They don't have a ton of ball handlers, so we wanted to get up in uh, their point guard and kind of wear his legs down, and we were able to do that pretty well, so that's how we pulled that one off. Yeah, it seems like you guys are causing a lot of turnovers this year, a lot of steals, and part of that has to do with the, the first year, Baxter stepping in there at yeah. guard as well. What's it like having a guy to kind of mentor? <laughs> yeah, no, I was just going to uh, speak about that yeah. th- in terms of our Bowden win, but, uh, you know, Steph's great for us. He gets up in the I mean, I saw that like the first day he stepped into this gym. Like, he's one of the best on-ball defenders I've ever played against. Um, you know, I feel like fortunate enough, like for two reasons. One, to have him on our team to help us win, and the other is like to get up in me. It really makes my game better. You know, when I have to go against that in practice every day, and then uh, stepping onto the game, it feels almost like a little bit of a relief to have to go against someone else. But yeah, he's been huge for us, um, not just offensively. He bring, brings great pace and uh, spacing offensively, and he really knows how to play the game. So he's been huge for us, and he's going to be continuing moving forward. And I touched on the double-double there, but, I mean, you're a guard and you're pulling down those rebounds, your fourth double-double. What was opening up to get those boards for you? Uh, I think it's uh, all credit to Omar Sar. <laughs> just kind of, uh, Fair yeah, I think a lot of those are coming off uh, his hands and I'm just kind of there to grab them. But, I you know, he's such a big athletic guy that I can kind of, he kind of, like, creates a lot of space in the paint so I can kind of easily just come down and uh, get the board. He's everywhere. I mean, I, I, you know, when you, when you drive to the hoop, you know if the layup doesn't fall, he's there to clean it up too, right? Yeah, I mean, he's also been huge for us. Uh, I wasn't sure uh, how he was going to do coming into the year, but he's, you know, exceeded my expectations thus far. And uh, I'm so happy for him. He's such a great kid. And uh, he's really helping us out. I mean, you can see teams are now, uh, you know, thinking about coming into the paint and trying to throw up something over him because he's just clearing everything out of there. We know Cody and um, Tom are not afraid to shoot the ball. Nick's been shooting the ball a lot more this year. Yeah. Have you noticed that? Yeah, I yeah. mean, we obviously need him to be aggressive for us to be successful. He's a great player, um, and he's, I felt he's been a little hesitant in years past to kind of shoot the ball because he is so unselfish. Um, but, yeah, he's been killing it for us this year, and, and like our, a lot of our success is based around what he does and how aggressively he plays offensively. So it's been great. Trip to Miami coming up yeah. this winter here. Uh, you got the finals this week, and then Miami coming up after, after that. Um, Steph, I mentioned he'd never been to Miami. Have you ever been to South Florida? Uh, I've been to Miami a few times, yeah. I've, uh, I, I love Miami. Business trip, right? Yeah. But um, it should be pretty fun. What are your thoughts on the two games you had scheduled there, including one against, I believe, St. Joseph's of Connecticut, coached yeah. by uh, Jim Calhoun? Yeah, that should be fun. I'm not, uh, I mean, the trip is obviously going to be a blast. Every time we go on some of these trips, this will be my uh, fourth one. We always try to... Have have a trip during the uh, winter break, but uh, Miami's going <laughs> to probably exceed our expectations. It's a little different than Daytona and Long Island, but uh, <laughs> the teams we don't—I don't really know too much. I know that they're, they're two uh, traditionally good programs, uh, and then playing against Jim Calhoun—that's going to be—it's going to be really fun. But yeah, we just got to make sure we stay locked in and win both those games. If I recall, 
and I think Cody, you mentioned this. You both are involved with like making films here. Is that still going on? Uh, yeah, I mean, it slowed down a little bit. Like okay. with the thesis, I'm a studio art major okay. with a focus yeah. in like film uh, and media studies. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's kind of a solo pursuit now by myself. But um, yeah, we just—he's been a little busy with his rhetoric uh, thesis. Gotcha. So uh, slightly different concentration. Yeah, yeah, a little bit different. We've done some stuff in the past. <laughs> Hopefully, we can still uh, have a few more projects by the time school is up. So do you have a thesis then? Are you working on that? Or? Uh, yeah, it's a full-year thesis, so uh, I'm not entirely sure what my final project will end up being, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe some photography. I'm doing some sort of a photography project right now on like my neighborhood in Boston, West Roxbury, but yeah, we'll see where that goes. Nice. What's that kind of like there? Um, I just kind of want to explore my hometown, really, mm-hmm. and just uh, maybe some like portraiture of the people and the residents living within the uh, area. And that's probably where that's going to go. Great. So what have the classes been like at Bates throughout your time here, you know, Studio Art and, and, and others as yeah. well? Well, it took me a while to kind of figure out that I was a Studio Art major. Uh-huh. Um, I, I got on board with that kind of late. Uh, but I kind of did the traditional uh, liberal arts route. I, I've taken such a wide uh, variety of courses. Um, and at times it can be a little frustrating because I, I feel like so all over the place. But now being a senior looking back, I've realized that it's been such a huge help. Excellent. So what are your thoughts on the season so far and what you're most looking forward to, not only the two games you have left during 2019, but also on the other side of the new year? Yeah, like I said earlier, we got to go 1-0 and every game. Yeah. Like, um, And I think we've done a great job of just being solely focused on each opponent as we get there, and we got to continue to do that if we want to have long-term success. But, you know, in terms of my four years here, this has been the most excited, really, I've felt about our uh, potential moving forward. Um, you know, we have such a talented group of guys. We have to make sure that we just continue to push ourselves every day in practice because we can't like get complacent with this uh, five and one start or whatever whatever we are. You know, we kind of have to continue to look forward. Um, obviously, you know, once NESCAC plays, NESCAC starts, it's a totally different ball game. But I've been looking around, checking scores, watching NESCAC teams, and I think we can have a lot of success. Sounds good, Jeff Spellman, Mail Bobcat of the Week. Thanks so much. Thank you. The swimming and diving teams competed at the Maine State Meet on Friday and Saturday. The men took second place out of six schools, and the women won the meet for the fifth straight season. There were many standout performances, but head coach Peter Casares singled out junior Katherine Peterson for her personal records in three events. She finished fifth in the 50-yard breaststroke, seventh in the 100 breast, and eighth in the 200 breast. Catherine, I mean, the breaststroke, that's been the stroke you've been working on throughout your career here at Bates. Uh, Peter said this was three years in the making, kind of. Yes, it has been. (laughs) What was the meet like for you? What was really working in the pool, you felt? Well, I've been training off of NESCACs from last year, so some over the summer. We we have had a new lift program for the summer going into this new school year. So I think that has been a big contributor to the time drops that I had and for everyone else who also swam really well I think just a little bit of a change has really made a huge impact for us. Which was the first event you swam and when did you realize oh I'm gonna be saying some personal best today? (laughs) Uh, The first event was the 50 breaststroke Mm -hmm. individually and I won a personal best and that was just so crazy like I wasn't expecting that I was expecting to sort of go similar to last year's but that sort of set the tone for the rest of the meet when that was super exciting. Yeah, so like this early in the season, it's kind of rare to have personal bests, right? For events that we swim at NESCACs, it's definitely not 
something that you would expect to happen because swimming is more of a taper. So we go through a taper regimen going up to NESCACs, which is in February. So going personal best, we had a really tough training week leading up to this meet. And so everyone, I think, had some really nice surprises at this meet, which is really great. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's tons of events. You mentioned on the way over here, you talked about the relays being your favorite. Um, Why are the relays your favorite, in your opinion? The relays are swam for the other people on your team, and so I think that is a big part in why I like them, because you're not just doing it for yourself, you're doing it for everybody else, and that makes it way more fun. Everyone's cheering for you, everyone's behind the blocks, they're right there with you, and so swimming individual events, while it's fun to go personal best for yourself, it's more exciting to do it with a whole bunch of other kids on your team, yeah. Excellent, and then capturing the main state title yet again for the women, uh, what does that mean to you? It's exciting. We won it for the past four years, and so we sort of went in hoping to get it again. And we set the tone Friday night with, I think, a 90-point lead. And so we sort of build off of each other's energies. Yeah, well, a two-day meet like this, you Friday night and then the next day, Saturday, I think there's morning and evening sessions, yes. right? So there's a lot going on. I mean, yes. this is nothing new for you. But what's your regimen kind of between the days, if you will, of the meet? Uh, getting a lot of sleep definitely is important. Eating enough food throughout the meet and after each session is really important, and especially on the Saturday where we have a morning session and a night session and don't have a hotel to go back to, like taking time to yourself just to decompress. We do some restorative yoga, which is always good just to get our bodies loose and relaxed from the first session of swimming. So we take a lot of time to recover after each swim, which helps us into the next one. Yeah, I asked Coach Casares about, you know, who were some of the standouts. He mentioned you as being someone that's, as I touched on earlier, kind of three years in the making. He seems very proud of you. What did he say to you after all of this? Uh, he just gave me a big hug. <laughs> he, uh, he has had some expectations going into the season for me. And at the Wesleyan Trinity meet, I went some best in-season times. So that was, like, fun, fine. But this, like, setting personal bests, like, ever at a meet that we haven't tapered for was pretty cool. For those who don't know, what does taper mean? Just so people are, on, are clear about that. <laughs> taper is when we cut down on the yardage. We have more easy swimming and it prepares us to race. And so tapering also includes like shaving. And so it just makes us feel as fast as we can be. And so when you're not tapering, that means you're going really hard in practice? Is that yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's the training process like? What's the typical practice at this time of year like? Uh, some early morning swims, I imagine? Yeah, so we have three morning swims every week. They start at 6 in the morning, and that's normally a lift and a swim. And so that's all powerful stuff. And then in the afternoons, we have five afternoons and a Saturday practice. And the Saturday and the afternoons and Saturdays are always really tough. Mm. So you have to sort of mentally prepare yourself for every day to have a hard morning and a hard afternoon. Excellent. And then when you were looking at colleges, you're a junior now, but take us back. What made Bates the place for you, in your opinion? Well, I wasn't sure if I wanted to swim. I wasn't like a top recruit. It, this was going to be something I did for fun. So uh, I was looking at a lot of big schools and also some small schools that I could swim at, and Bates really stood out to me because of the team atmosphere when I went on a recruiting trip. 
and they looked like they just had so much fun and all like liked each other and that was sort of different from other places that I went to and I thought that was a very unique aspect of it and that really drew me towards Bates. Were there any big adjustments you had to make initially you know coming in here to college whether it be in the pool or in the classroom maybe? Yeah it was definitely way more academically rigorous than high school and learning how to manage my time with academics as well as having nine practices a week where in high school I would choose to go to maybe four a week so that was definitely a big adjustment. So now looking forward to you know, the train trip in Florida coming up, yes. right? And everyone always says that's the, their favorite time. Best part of that. That's the best part of bait, swim, and dive. <laughs> and why is that for you personally? Uh, it's a time where we're not worried about an, any academics. We can just be with the team in the sun, which we don't get a lot of. And it's while it's really tough and the practices are very draining, it's a time where you can really learn about yourself and learn about your peers on the team. And even if you're not doing so hot that day, someone else might be, and that'll just make you try harder. And so that's really what Training Trip is about. You mentioned cheering on your teammates is a great part of the Realize. Were there any of your teammates who were in particular like, wow, that was that was big from them too. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of our two of our freshmen actually, Gabby Smart and yeah. Abigail Gibbons, also had a stellar meet. They've been practicing really hard and training really hard. So those were two some standout performances that were very notable. And everyone everyone did really well. Yeah. The women did super, and so we're super excited to set that tone going into the rest, the second half of the semester. Excellent. Well, Catherine, thank you so much for joining yeah, us on the course. podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. The women's and men's squash teams split a pair of matches Saturday in Connecticut. Both teams defeated Wesleyan in the morning before falling to national powerhouse Trendy in the afternoon. The Bobcats have a new head coach this year. Rye Hergeth competed in college at Trendy helping the Bantams win three national championships. He was most recently the head squash professional at Chelsea Piers of Connecticut, and now he joins the Bobcast. Well, Rye, first of all, welcome to Bates. Thank you very much. And um, looking forward to having you lead the Bates squash programs. Uh, you just had really your first full weekend with the team there down in Connecticut. Tell us how it went, because I know for you, a Trinity alum, must have been kind of weird going back to your old stomping grounds with an opponent's logo, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean that was uh, that was very weird. Um, I think you know going into the courts again with with another team's logo on my shirt was was very strange. Um, I've been following uh, the Trinity program since I was about eleven years old. Um, one of my first coaches actually went there when yeah I think I was about eleven years old. So I've known about the program the entire like winning streak since I was eleven years old. So, you know, I'm 30 years old now. So that's 19 years of following the program and the the success of the team. So, yeah, it was very odd walking in there, you know, not actually supporting, you know, the actual team that I played for and followed for such a long time. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, it was, it was almost a very proud moment as well um, to actually have gone through that program and to, you know, be coaching a very established and successful um, team like Bates. Um, you know, I think Bates squash has built up a great reputation over the last, you know, 9, 10, 15 years. Um, so it's not like, you know, I was representing a college team that hasn't done anything. It was a college team that, um, 
you know, has a has a fantastic reputation. Um, so I was really proud of actually, you know, standing on court and and being, you know, Bates College head coach. Excellent. Well, let's go back when you were growing up uh, in South Africa, right? What was that experience like, and what made you want to come to America to play squash in college? Uh, I mean, I just started playing squash when I was about five years old. I'm not really sure exactly. Like, um, I played my first competitive um, junior event when I was about eight years old, but my parents actually had their first official, um, you know, date playing squash. Okay. So squash <laughs> runs in the family. Nice. My grandfather, um, he played squash. Um, so yeah, still my dad still plays squash. My brother is a head pro at the Molten Mo Club in Portland, Oregon. Mm. Um, and yeah, my mom stopped playing squash about five, six years ago. So it's been in the family for a very long time. Um, and like I said, you know, I, I, my former coach, one of my first coaches ever, um, he went to Trinity. Um, and some of my brothers, you know, best friends and people that I looked up to, you know, since I was a very young kid, they also went to Trinity. Mm. So it's a long history within my city and in my, you know, family almost because they, they did become like brothers in the family. Um, you know, they all, all went to that school. So, yeah. you know, it's it's something that I had on my mind since I was a very young kid. Well, I'm curious, when Ahmed Abdelkhalik was on the team here at Bates and, and Ahmed Hatato, we often talked about how big squash was in Egypt and how good, you know, Egyptian people are at squash in general. How big is it in South Africa? Is it is it one of the most popular sports in the country or where does it rank maybe? I wouldn't say it's one of the most popular okay. ones. No, it's definitely more well known mm-hmm. than in the US. Okay. Um, yeah. I think it's a more social sport. So again, I grew up kind of, you know, my parents would go and play on a Saturday morning, you know, for like three, four hours and, you know, afterwards go to the bar, have a couple of beers, have lunch. Yeah. So it's always just a more of a social thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think South Africans in general are a lot more active. Mm-hmm. Um, so than you Americans? Uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. You know, just in a general. Right, right, right. Um, so I think, you know... You get a lot of people who who found squash and they loved it mm-hmm. because it was. I mean, s- the sport itself is very active. Like you, you get. I don't think people give squash enough credit for the for the the amount of f- physicality that you actually go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I would love to get you know some of the best football players in the world <laughs> out on a on a s- squash court and right. see if they can last for more than fifteen minutes. Yeah, because it's it's a brutal sport. So I think a lot of um, South Africans love that part of it. Um, so again, it just became like a, a social sport. In terms of competitive junior squash and senior squash, um, yes and no. Uh, I think people would love it for it to be more successful and more competitive. But the fact that the country itself is so isolated from Europe, Asia, and the, the U.S. makes it kind of difficult for juniors and seniors to actually compete on a on a international level, right? That makes sense. And then, so after you graduated from Trinity, you became you went and worked at Chelsea Pierce, Connecticut, right away, basically, right? Correct. Yes. Correct. What was that experience like teaching the sport there? Um, getting kind of your first experience, I guess, coaching, sort of. Yeah, yeah, that was my very first experience coaching. Well, I did a little bit of you know coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, before I went to Trinity, actually, mm-hmm. I coached a high school um, back in South Africa for a couple of months, and I coached a high school in Philadelphia before mm-hmm. I went 
to college as a freshman. Um, but Chelsea really was my first um, experience, actually, you know, being almost, well, forced to, to learn the game. Mm. Um, if you want to teach the game, if you want to be a coach, you have to understand what you're teaching. Yeah. Um, and that's not something that I... I always thought about when I was on court playing, you know, you kind of squash it. It's such a fast paced game where, um, you know, you sometimes get caught up just focusing on yourself and doing, you know, doing the best thing that's right in front of you rather than thinking, you know, holistically and thinking, why am I doing this? Why did I just play that shot? Um, and when I started coaching, it really just opened my mind up to, to, you know, all the, the different aspects, of the game from a player's view and f from a coach's view. What attracted you for to the Bates position? I mean, Pat Costa was here for quite some time, and when it opened up, what made you think, oh, that could be a good fit for me? Um, I've had college squash on my mind for a couple of years now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in terms of a, a coaching job, it's it's very different from coaching, um, you know, privately especially in the Fairfield County yeah um, it has a lot of ch challenges um, it's a very competitive area so um, as soon as you know this opportunity came about I jumped on it right away um, I think I, I probably gave myself another four or five years before I, I really saw myself in a college role um, and there's a bunch of different reasons behind that I think probably the biggest one was 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 um, having to, um, you know, have younger players, or not, I can't say younger, but to have players that are closer to my age actually buy into my views mm -hmm. and, and my coaching styles. You know, that level of respect as a coach is is very important for the players to actually, okay, we trust him, we respect him, and we're going to learn from him. We're going to buy into what this new coach is actually, you know, trying to teach us. Um, and I think as a young coach, you know, that level of respect just naturally does, you know, take a long time or, you know, it's it's obviously not as high as if I was a 45-year-old a coach with a lot of experience and, mm -hmm. you know, um, college students being closer to my age. Yeah, there's there's definitely like a, a, a long way to go in terms of building up that level of of respect. You've obviously had conversations with our captains, Lutza Polgar and Graham Bunnell. What were those conversations like initially to kind of, you know, initiate, you know, get you familiar with the teams and through them because they've been around for, you know, they're both seniors. Yeah, I mean, uh, both Lutza and Graham are, have been fantastic. Um, extremely helpful, extremely nice, nice people, both of them. Uh, very hard workers. They're fantastic leaders. Um, and coming back to the, the the first type of conversations that we had was was just to get a general sense of of how the program has been run. Um, I'm a firm believer in keeping you know certain uh, traditions in place. Um, you know, obviously you, you don't want some coach coming in here and making all kinds of changes that the players don't like. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, keeping them comfortable within their environment was very important. So yeah, those first type of conversations was to get as much information out of them as possible so that I can, you know, achieve that goal. A new thing for you will be recruiting, right? I mean, that's not something you've had to do before, I imagine. Uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, recruiting and maybe 
getting some people who might be considering uh, your alma mater to come to Bates instead. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be a, might be a challenge yeah. uh, at, at first. Mm-hmm. Um, but the general uh, re- recruiting, I think it's an exciting uh, way to, um, you know, bring in players that didn't really look at Bates in the past. Um, given my five years experience coaching in the Fairfield County at Chelsea Pierce, um, I coached over probably about a hundred junior e- events in five years. So I know a lot of US uh, yeah. junior players and I know, you know, the best of the best. So to have that knowledge and that background, I think is really going to help me recruit um, better American-based players. Um, I think in the past, like you mentioned, uh, Ahmed Abdelkalek yeah. and Ahmed Atata, um, they were great. But, you know, finding those those types of players is going to be rare. Mm. Um, so the real goal is to really is to really tap into the U.S. juniors circuit and to try to attract the best players from the U.S. Um, and still trying to, you know, get that one or two international players that will just combine um, with both. Because, again, U.S. junior squash is quickly becoming probably the second best uh, junior country in the world mm. behind Egypt. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, being at a U.S. college, that's a big, you know, plus to actually know junior squash and to be able to go to people and say uh listen Bates Bates squash is is going up and it's in my every intention to recruit the best of the best um you know while still obviously focusing on on you know um incorporating all the the positive aspects that's been you know involved with, with Bates squash you know it's always been a very uh diverse yeah. team and that's something that I absolutely love about it um, I don't think I would have been as excited and happy with coming into a team that was all American right um, which is initially a bad thing <laughs> right um, but it's important especially with with a squash team and I think there's a bunch of different programs in the country uh, uh, you know programs like uh, Rochester um, St. Lawrence, who are not, you know, part of the Ivies. Right. So to actually, and they showed that they're recruiting both international and U.S.-based players was very successful. Both programs reached the top five in the country. Um, so, you know, I think that would be my goal for the next, you know, I think that would be like a five-year goal mm-hmm. is to, you know, try to reach the top of college squash by incorporating both the best of US players and then you know finding those odd you know superstars from 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 Egypt or Europe or or, or you know tapping into the market that that's in Asia at the moment mm. which is a fairly fairly untapped market in college squash too interesting so US junior squash when you were growing up was it Number two, then to Egypt, or has it been rising recently? Uh, r- rising recently, yeah. Over the past, like say, I would say five to eight years, mm. I would say. Um, growing up, um, I played in the World Junior Championships in two thousand and eight, um, and you know, South African team wasn't very strong. We played in the U.S. or we played against the U.S. and we lost two one. Mm. It's fairly close, and I think we competed for about say spots number 15 to 18 in the world 
Um, and if you compare that now, both U.S. men's and women's junior teams are competing for top five, top three in the world. Wow. Um, so, yeah, U.S. junior squash is definitely on a massive rise. Interesting. So your coaching style, what is it? I mean, what? because squash is a very, obviously it's a very physical game. It's also a very mental game. I, I, I've been to squash matches. I've seen how you know people want to make sure they're not in their own heads and stuff. But what, what are your style like maybe at practice and then also during matches when you have to kind of be keeping an eye on many different things at once sort of, I imagine? Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the biggest challenges that I'm facing right now mm-hmm. is um, like, for example, this past weekend we played against Wesleyan and they were they, they were at one time there were eight matches going on yeah so to to try to coach all of those eight matches is just not possible mm-hmm. um so that's something that i'm still you know figuring out what the best way about that is um but i would say my coaching style is to is to try to incorporate one general um you know one general theory about how do you play the game mm-hmm. for both teams but then at the same time, because each player is very different. And squash, you can you can see, look, and think about squash in very different ways. You know, if I want to compare it to, say, football, um, you know, if, if, you're a, if you're an offensive lineman, you pretty much have one job, right? And um, there's, there's very limited ways of looking at that one specific job. With with squashes, yeah, like I said, you can think about the game in multiple different ways. Doesn't mean that you're wrong or right. Mm-hmm. It's how you, as a player, can accomplish what you need to accomplish to actually win. And with with squash having four walls, uh, you play with a ball that doesn't really bounce. Right. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of different ways where you can, you know, we can hit the ball so the ball doesn't bounce. Um, we can hit the ball in different areas. We're making your opponent very uncomfortable. It's basically trying to find that balance between um, coaching the team as a whole and then also focusing on each different player because, like I said, every player thinks, works, and plays in a very specific style. Well, any other thoughts, I guess, on this past weekend and what you're looking forward to uh, come January when the season gets going again? Sort of? I cannot wait. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited to have the team back January 3rd. So um, it gives us that week of, you know, really focusing on, on, on getting everybody better. Um, I think both teams need to work on their f- physicality mm. and having, say, seven days, six, seven days where they don't have to worry about schoolwork. Their only focus is on playing s- squash, um, getting in the gym, getting stronger. So I'm very excited about what, the, what both teams are capable of doing given that week of, of actually training super hard and then playing a bunch of really hard matches, um, you know, right through January. All right, Ryan Hurtgath, thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Appreciate it. Welcome to Bates. Pleasure. Thank you very much, Aaron. The Bobcast is off for a few weeks before it makes a triumphant return in January, at which point we will recap seven Bobcat basketball games and get you ready for the indoor track and field season. All that and more next year on the Bates Bobcast. Bye. <laughs>